Welcome to the Cinema Swamp. Okay. Let's party. In episode 80, we finally discuss Zack Snyder's Justice League. We talk about the movie at length, its history, and we compare it slightly to the 2017 version of the movie. This is episode 80. Last episode, and and I cut it out of the podcast, we kind of went off for a few minutes about how we made it to episode 80, but, um, but we didn't split that into two episodes then. It was only one, so it's only episode 79. So now is episode 80. So now it's the, hooray, we made it to 80. That's, yeah. So yeah, how's everyone doing tonight? We're good. I'm good at least, I don't know. Got my first vaccine. Can't complain. You've been chipped. My DNA has been uh, manipulated and now I'm growing wings. <laughs> Bill Gates Have you guys- is tracking you and he's going to sell you Windows 95. <laughs> I open my mouth and it's just. <laughs> well, now you it to Windows ninety six. No problem, though. <laughs> Every time you take a dump, it's gonna go bang, 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 bang. <laughs> <laughs> I saw there's a meme um, <clears throat> where it said. Uh, my Moderna friends and the Pfizer boys finally meeting up, and it, it was a picture of the episode where the Power Rangers met the t- the 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 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Look at you guys! Yeah. <laughs> which ones are the Pfizer guys, and which ones are the Moderna guys? <laughs> it matters. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll I gotta say... know what's the, what. Am I gonna be a Depending on the vaccine, am I going to be a Ninja Turtle or a Power Ranger? It's kind of a big difference. If, if I was to, if I was to guess, I would say Pfizer is Ninja Turtles and Moderna is Power Rangers. Pfizer is the one where you gotta get two doses, right? Pfizer's just because you you just want to be a Ninja Turtle. <laughs> I have a feeling if you didn't get like, what happens if you don't take? Isn't Pfizer two shots? Pfizer yeah. and Moderna are two shots. Oh, okay. Johnson and Johnson is the one. Ooh, I need to get that one. That's for the elite. I'll try to sneak into that line with the rich people. There's studies showing that it potentially is not as effective, and you might need a booster. Ugh. So basically, two shots. Anyway. <laughs> two shots. Two shots again. <laughs> two shots of Johnson and Johnson is gonna take you to like a whole nother plane. Like it's gonna be just like a psychedelic. Gonna be reaching the stars, and you're gonna be like, "I'm healed." <laughs> um, <laughs> well, wait. So, oh, so you got? I was gonna ask if you're getting the first or second. Are you on the second dose? Then we got uh, our first. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we are. They're supposed to send us an email for our second. Um, have not received yet. Huh. But, well, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm still in my basement, so you know. Me and Sid are looking into getting those like leftover vaccines, <laughs> like like the Walmart off like brand ones. She knows the Walgreens to quit. She knows people who like got like the they like you know they went to like the clinic and then like after all their schedules, 
like all the appointments showed up and they like give out the whatever <laughs> leftovers they have for the day. And like well, someone that, that... got vaccinated that way. Oh, her tattoo artist. Um, I, I think him and uh, his fiance both got their vaccines because they just like waited outside the clinic until they were done with the, the <laughs> that appointments. That sounds so sketchy. And everyone got vaccinated. So. Hey, hey, man, you want some Moderna? I got some Pfizer that's right here. That's kind of how Chloe's grandparents did it. They went to Walgreens and they're like, hey, uh, if you got any left over, call us. And they just gave them their number and they called them. Yeah, because they didn't technically make the 65 and overcut. Uh-huh. So they were just like, hey, if you have any extras, we'll take them. And they got it. Yes. Yeah. I'm just going to wait but for all of you to be vaccinated. My mom was saying that uh, I think by March 30th, everyone 16 and over should be able to get their vaccine. <laughs> Screw you, 15-year-olds. <laughs> March. March 30th. Is it May? It's May. My mom said March. Well, your mom's wrong. So, um, while everyone was getting their vaccines, I was watching... Uh, Zack Snyder's version of Marley and Me, which you know, I they didn't have to get so graphic with that dog dying scene, but apparently I watched the wrong movie. Um, you all watched the correct movie. <laughs> yeah, there was that scene when uh, when Aquaman's girlfriend was sucking the water and the blood out of that dog. <laughs> it was wild. Owen Wilson's um, just sitting there crying with the dog. Like, I don't know why it has to be done this way. They said this is the only way we can do it. We all saw it. We all have seen the movie. And we're all going to talk about it. Do we really need to go over the history of this movie? You could go a brief history of it. I mean... You probably the most details out of us. I mean, the details are... Uh, I mean, if you, I mean, if you want the real story, you, you go back to Batman v Superman, which... Um, basically they were trying to make their version of the Avengers. They were trying to do it really quick though. And I think Zack Snyder just wanted to make a sequel to Man of Steel, uh, Mm -hmm. which they ended up changing those plans. So they said, no, you got to start making a DC universe. So, and then instead he made like a five film arc from what I remember. It was a five film arc. It starts with Batman v Superman, the darkest of the arc. And it was going to go on the four Justice League movies that were going to be basically filmed as one split into two. That was the original plan. If you remember, actually, a couple of years back, when they announced the DCEU slate, they actually announced Justice League as a part one and a part two. Part one was going to be in 2017, part two in 2019. So uh-huh. it was actually already being built that way. Uh, but then once Batman v Superman came out, and it was pretty divisive amongst everybody... Um, Warner Brothers kind of changed their tune again and they're like you know it's going to be one Justice League movie for now it's just going to be called Justice League and they let Zack Snyder still do it but they were trying to meddle with it even more Um, which is funny because even during that time the ultimate cut of Batman v Superman was released on home media and people mostly liked that version better than what was in theaters anyway and I was like hey it looks like Warner Brothers made him cut up his own movie. It looks like the longer version is a better movie. Well, Warner Brothers wasn't really listening to that. They were trying to just 
create a Justice League that was exactly two hours long with a bunch of edits. And Zack Snyder came to them with four hours of movie, and they said, oh, this is unwatchable. And from what I hear is that's when they decided to hire Joss Whedon to do some uh, overseeing, consulting. Not really doing the reshoots or directing, but consulting. Um, And I believe then it was in March. I think it was in March of that year. This was like 2017 now. That was when his uh, daughter tragically died. Uh, She committed suicide. Which then he stayed on the production for two more months, but then at that point, he left just due to that you know tragedy. He was trying to keep up with it, but he's like, I just can't do it anymore. He left, and then that's when Warner Brothers was like, Hey, let's just re let's make this movie like the Avengers. So Joss Whedon did all the reshoots. They got a whole new person to do the music. They changed the colors. They released it, and people still didn't like it. And um, basically. Especially for the DCEU slash Zack Snyder fans, really left them with an empty trilogy. And two years later, the campaign grew of people who were complaining about the Justice League movie and how we never saw the proper version. Uh, It grew as Zack Snyder started to leak some footage and say, yeah, there actually is a longer version of this movie. And then after so many people saying, no, it's never going to happen, never going to happen, Warner Brothers finally said, you know what, it is going to happen because you guys just won't shut up. And they put it on HBO Max, and that's where we are today. So we've talked about the DCEU before. We already kind of know everybody's thoughts on the movies. Um, So I don't think we really need to go over again, but we can definitely bring them up as we go along. Um but yeah, as everyone has seen the Justice League now, Zack Snyder's version of it, what did you think of it? Who wants to go first? Hunter <laughs> wants to go first. I want to hear Hunter's opinion. Being that I, I believe you're probably the biggest fan of his movies of us four. I believe you're probably the biggest fan. Probably. Not ashamed to, to say so. Um... Yeah, me and Zach go way back. Um, I uh, probably the first movie that I really fell in love with by him that I knew was him was Man of Steel, and so I rewatched that getting ready for <clears throat> Justice League, and then I rewatched the the um, I think it's the Ultimate Edition of Batman vs Superman. I think. Is that what it's called? The Ultimate Edition? It might be just extended. Yeah, edition, it's the Ultimate Edition. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was awesome. I really love Batman vs Superman. Um, and you know, you guys, I'm sure when we talked about the Justice movies before, or the DC movies before, um, you guys know how much I hated the Justice League <laughs> movie. And I did watch it twice. I watched it in the theater when it first came out and then I watched it a few months later hoping that I was just wrong but I wasn't it's still bad um and then I haven't seen it since and then you know three years later almost uh this comes out and it is honestly the same movie but (laughs) I I had a lot of high hopes for it, and 
I don't know why I had such high hopes that, like, I thought this is going to be the movie of the year or something. Like, that was, like, my mindset going into it for some reason. And um, it's just a longer version of the first movie, really. Like, I, I think every scene is a lot different than... Um, than Whedon's Justice League, like, like if if all these scenes were filmed like between the scenes that are in in the Joss Whedon Justice League and then the Zack Snyder one, like, I think that like just the scenes that they picked for like Zack Snyder's Justice League, like the ones that he intended, I think it's a better, well edited and and managed movie overall. But at the end of the day, it's like the same storyline. Like the plot points are almost the exact same, and it's just so freaking long. And it, I didn't like it really. Like it's, I like it better than the first one or the first version of it. But it's still like not a good movie. At the end of the day, I like I love Zack Snyder's style. I like the way that he makes things emotional and dramatic and. Freaking! I saw stats today that it was like ten point six percent of Justice League is slow motion. <laughs> like, not even kidding. That's like the actual stat of it. It's like a solid like twenty four minutes of the of the runtime is slow motion. Um, and uh, you know, it's not bad. Like, it's okay. But man, there were some really long scenes that were like unnecessarily long and. Um, no matter how good they were, like it still was just a long version of a not great movie. Um, maybe if like we actually had like a trilogy of Justice League movies from Zack Snyder, it would pay off and feel worthwhile, you know, like like a like Lord of the Rings or something. Um, but as it is, just a movie, it's I, I'm just not in love with it. Like I don't I don't really think I care to watch it again. You know, after seeing the Joss Whedon one and then this one, like this one is, I think, by far better. But it's still like not great. Like, like if Joss Whedon's Justice League was a bad version of a bad movie, or like a bad version of an average movie, we'll say this is a good version of an average movie. Like it's, it's still at the end of the day an average movie, I think. So that's my my long review of Justice League of Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yeah, I think you're one of the first yeah, people I that I know of who liked Zack Snyder's work who actually didn't dig the movie too much. Um, which, But we'll get to that. Yeah, what would you think of it, Zack? Uh, well, it's... I really wish I would have watched the Joss Whedon one again because I don't remember really what is different. Like, I, I know... I can think of, like, probably five or six specific scenes that I know for a fact aren't in the Joss Whedon cut, but other than that, there's probably a lot of little things that got changed that I just can't tell. Um, I did... I really... I started to like the second half. The first half was dragging on pretty boring. Um, felt pretty similar to how I felt when I watched the Joss Whedon cut, but um, towards the end, it, it felt a little... Like it was picking up. It was getting some steam going, but yeah, the payoff and the just overall, it still was pretty flat. Um, I the the Zack Snyder movies, I, I 
I really like Man of Steel. Um, I still haven't rewatched Batman vs Superman, <laughs> um, and I I didn't like it the first time I watched it. So um, it's really hard to judge based on that. Comparing to the haven't seen it since. No, really? I, I might have watched it once at your house. I don't remember. Um, I do need to watch the uh, whatever cut. Ultimate cut. That's my end. But there, there were a lot of scenes I liked, and there is a lot that I didn't. That's all I can really say. It's like on the low end of. So probably like two and a half stars for me. I thought it was funny when Ezra Miller put the hot dog in his pocket <laughs> and the last like half an hour before the epilogue was cool and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you didn't like the half hour epilogue for that was building up a movie that probably won't happen? I liked how gay Joker was for Batman. <laughs> I, I I do want to say the epilogue was way more like I was way more invested in that small epilogue than the whole three and a half hours of actual movie we got. Like I would much rather see the Mad Max Batman kicking ass. Right. I want to see that movie. So many things tease that like. That's how like uh, the last season of of um, Ash versus the Evil Dead ends is mm-hmm. like they he's like him entering into like a nuclear apocalypse exactly like Justice League ends, <laughs> yeah. and then they canceled the show and they never did it. <laughs> so maybe that wasteland That's... is the wasteland of like canceled franchises where all canceled characters <laughs> must go. Isn't that how Friends? No, <laughs> would Joey go into a post-apocalyptic world? <laughs> yeah, that, that's where the show Joey takes place. <laughs> Is the Joker? And they're like, <laughs> No, yeah, but the epilogue, I was more, I was waiting for it because I knew it was going to happen just because trailers and stuff. Um, but yeah, I was way more invested in that and what I can also say positively about the movie is that it I guess it set future movies that already happened up better, like Aquaman. Yeah. Like with Willem Dafoe. Given like, where did Aquaman get his trident and stuff? It it just appeared in Justice League, but you actually show how he got it from Willem Dafoe. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you get more of Alfred, and you get more of Ezra Miller. Way more, yeah. Which I actually liked him as Flash. I don't, I don't remember liking him in the Joss cut, but I actually found liking him in this one. He fell a lot though; like he didn't know he was like the worst version of the Flash I've ever seen. (laughs) But I still liked Victor. What did you think, Justin? Um, so I've kind of been on the sort of negative end of Snyder films where I'm like, it's kind of all style, but not a lot of substance and not a lot of character. Character especially is the part I have an issue with. 
Um, but I'm also I'm like a fan of big blockbusters that maybe don't make a lot of sense. Uh, Man of Steel. I always was like I thought the movie was too long for a story that wasn't really there. Um, and I thought Batman v Superman had way too much going on. That's why I thought the Ultimate Edition actually improved it because it actually gave it a chance to explain itself. Like that movie needed to be longer. And I thought maybe three hours was a still a little long, uh, but you know it at least explained things better at home. And I rewatched Batman v Superman recently, and I actually liked it even more than I remembered previously. And a lot of the stuff that I thought was pretty stupid or kind of silly before, um, I'm kind of enjoying a little more. Like I'm, I'm not as bothered by that movie. I don't know if it has to do with age or seeing other movies or if it's just, you know, I've accepted that just because it's got this broody, dark tone, that doesn't mean that it can't have silly things going on. I guess I always thought, it's weird that this movie's being so serious and yet we got Jesse Eisenberg in the corner going, and freaking, you know, big old ugly looking uh, doomsday naked ass walking around. I don't know. I always thought like, this is kind of weird for a movie that seems to be taking itself seriously, but I'm like, I, you know what? That's just his style. I was excited for the Snyder cut just because I want to see a director get the chance to actually make the movie he wants to make. I'm highly against studios deciding mid movie to change it all up. That's why I'm still out there saying, Hey, release the Phil Lord, Chris Miller cut of solo because that's another one that I think we should get someday because they literally shot like two thirds of that movie before they were taken off. So like that's another one out there where they finished a lot of it and we'll never get to see it. Um, but I was still interested in the Snyder cut. Plus I like the idea of the justice league more than seeing like Batman fight Superman. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I dug I dug the movie a lot. I actually really liked this movie. And I didn't hate the Joss Whedon version. I actually had to go back to my YouTube review and like rewatch it from four years ago to kind of remember what my thoughts were. I also rewatched the movie, but my thoughts on it are pretty much still the same. Where I was like, you know, they improved some things I didn't like about Snyder's movies, but they also added a lot of crap I didn't like. And I didn't like that they completely changed the tone because I was like it doesn't even feel like it's part of the same universe and I was like and I like Superman and it's cool to see Superman with the classic theme and you know he's smiling for the camera doing the punches looks all colorful but I was like this ain't the same Superman though like this is is just a completely different thing it's like yeah it's the 70s Superman but you know we're we're not in the 70s anymore maybe we should you know it was weird because I was like being nostalgic for a character that was not from that time. I was like, no, this is not Christopher Reeve. (laughs) So, um, I like that the Snyder cut was way more focused, felt way more in universe. Um, but also I like that it went a little more fantasy and sci-fi with this one versus the last two, because the last two movies, it kind of kept tying itself to the real world. I mean, even Batman V Superman had like CNN, newscasts and real like Anderson Cooper in the movie and things like that where it was really tying it to the real world I like that Justice League it's the real world but it's still like you know it's kind of it's own movie universe still so I like that you know I feel like it's way more free in that case um and 
everything that I liked about the Joss Whedon version of the movie is still here because that was all Zack Snyder's stuff. A lot of the good um, action shots and a lot of the effects, the good effects are here and all the crappy effects that were redone are not here. Um, I like that we're back to the Zack Snyder colors because I was like, that's what he was good at and I actually did kind of like that. Um, Maybe it doesn't fit for a comic book movie, but I mean, he's already done so many of these movies now it just feels like you know, it's part of his universe, so I dig it. And uh, they expanded on characters that kind of got screwed over in the edited version. Like, we got way more Cyborg. Like, Cyborg's actually a character who has yeah. a story. <laughs> and um, You know who else is actually a character? The villain. Yeah. Well, because, like, so, like, the villain actually has... And the villain, I don't think, is still great. Like, I think he's still pretty much, like, a typical, yeah, he's a bad guy. But at least he has a reason for what he's doing. And it's almost kind of funny. Like, he's, like, kind of like a little baby trying to, you know, prove himself to... uh freaking dark side um and there's like this whole dynamic there that you totally get right away it's like yeah it's the classic you know he failed him once he's trying to prove himself again and he's nervous around him and like when he first sees him again after so many years he's like immediately taking his armor off and being like respectful and he's like oh my god i can't believe it's you and it's kind of this funny dynamic to it where it's like yeah you're so freaked out of him because i don't know what you did to piss him off but uh, you he like owes him what like fifty thousand worlds, <laughs> just a ridiculous yeah. amount. And um, I like it's kind of funny that Darkseid in the meantime was like, "Go do my dirty work on Earth," because that's actually the one planet that I lost. Um, uh-huh. and it's a Thanos, a Loki, basically. right? Yeah, I mean, basically, I mean, even Darkseid kind of looks like Thanos with maybe a bigger chin. Like that's really a, there's not really much more to it than that. But I like that they actually gave Thanos the villain. Would- what was that? Thanos was based on Thanos was based off of Darkseid. Well, uh, yeah, there's probably that. I mean, Marvel probably ripped off DC first, but you know, I mean, if you want to get technical, like Thanos is a better villain. I mean, like I'm sick of these villains having all the same voices. Like, I am Darkseid and I talk like this. And I am Steppenwolf and I talk like this. And it's like, can anyone wait? What? What would you rather have Darkseid sound like? Well, I was saying... Hi, I'm Darkseid! You know, I, I said the <laughs> dynamic between Darkseid and uh, Steppenwolf reminded me of Jafar and Iago. So I was like, they should recast Gilbert Gottfried as Steppenwolf. And then maybe I'd like the movie even more. <laughs> Please, Darkseid! <laughs> Why is it every time we go and attack a planet... I have to find the mother boxes. Um, Shouldn't Dark Side with like Michael J. Fox? <laughs> <laughs> it's just Stuart Little. Yeah. I don't even know who voiced Dark Side. Do we know who even played him? Yeah, I was say, who's, is, there, is there an actor <laughs> for Dark Side? Yeah. Um, I don't know the voice, actually. Well, because one of the names out there was, uh, I believe the name was. Siren Hines is the name of the guy who did Steppenwolf, I believe. Um, uh-huh. But I don't know if that's the voice actor. I guess I don't know who the voice actors are, but I know it's... Like, Steppenwolf is definitely different from the Justice League movie, because in Justice League, they kind of gave him a much more... 
like he looked like a normal everyday dude in that movie and he sounded like an everyday dude and they just put like horns like it's, it almost looks like a hat and he's like what up i am steppenwolf he kind of talked like how i'm talking yeah um yeah i mean we could dig into the movie more but like yeah i basically i, I like the movie and uh as far as like the length and the runtime right it shouldn't be four hours like this doesn't need to be a four-hour movie um this is for HBO Max. It's kind of what's making it like an event, and it is a director's cut, a really ridiculous director's cut. But I think Zack Snyder just happens to work better with longer movies. He, I mean, he proved it sort of with Batman v Superman, and somehow this one's even longer. And I'm like, I like this one even more. So apparently, if... too, the ultimate cut for Watchmen is great i think right yeah that's another one which is besides maybe like the animated bits but i know that's kind of for that specific blu-ray um but like yeah that i also prefer over the theatrical so i think he's just better with longer movies so maybe he should be like switching to tv like i don't know but i i think you could have edited this movie to a two-hour runtime because or a two and a half hour runtime anyway because i think what Joss Whedon did with his edits almost makes sense, but it's that they made all these extra changes that just didn't need to be there. Like, watching this, I was like, how on earth did you spend an extra $100 million to do some reshoots and recolor the movie when you could have just used this movie? This movie was good enough. Like, you could have used this, trimmed it down to two and a half hours, and released it. And people probably would have been happier because at least it would have been like technically Zack Snyder's movie then, and then release the four-hour cut after it hits home video. Like we didn't have to go through this whole like four years of give us the right version. Like it was a total waste of money and time because this is basically like you said, it is the same movie, uh, just longer. And yeah, let's. I mean, let's get into it. And I'll try to be our resident Joss Whedon. Uh, I don't want to be Joss Whedon. I'm, I'm saying I, I'll be our. I'll make sure to compare and contrast to that movie since I saw it pretty recently. So I'll I'll let you know if something was in it or not. I think. Um, I mean, for me, like the biggest thing that stands out is like I I remember the Justice League as. Um, I'll just say Whedon cut and Snyder cut to make it <laughs> easier. Yeah. Yeah. The Whedon cut um, is the, the every line is noticeably more hammy um, and more like rambunctious sounding, you know. Like in in, in the Snyder cut, every line it's like a lot of them are the same lines, but just way more in like forward, but like solemn or like like there's more weight on it you know it's less like we'll see what happens and a little bit more like weighty if that makes sense like it feels more dramatic by far in in almost every scene um and like apart from like you know like i said like the weed cut is more bright and stuff like that like i i remember like really hating like the flash in the weed cut and in this, I really liked the Flash in Snyder Cut. And I think it's his lines are a lot more serious. They gave him a lot more. I, like, I, I really liked that little, you know, 15-minute-ish thing of him. And uh, I forget his, like, future wife's name. Um, Iris. 
Iris, who he saves in this movie. You know, he. I like that. It's like crazy long slow motion scene, but like, it's cool. Right? Like he shows up to the job interview late. You know, and he's like, seems like I'm always running out of time. You know, or whatever. And um, like that, I think gave a lot more to his character. Or like Cyborg, we didn't get a ton from him and his character. Like like how he became Cyborg and like the the stuff with his family mm-hmm. and. The bit that we get with his, you know, origin, like, like at least not his origin, but like his, that we hear about like his mom, because we didn't get anything of his mom, I think, in, in the Whedon cut. None. Um, yeah, and so like that gave a lot more to it, and like, there's so much of, especially Cyborg's character, watching him and his growth in comparison to like, Zack's own history with his daughter, there's so many like comparisons of like just just like what Cyborg's going through of like feeling like you know he feels alone like he doesn't have either of his parents he doesn't feel like he belongs anywhere and like he's doesn't have a purpose anymore and then at the end of the movie when he's like you know winning and he's like I'm not broken I'm not alone you know and that just seemed like this like this like kind of like a victory cry for like Zach's daughter you know mm-hmm. Does that makes sense yeah like it seemed like a message, you know like saying like you're like to the audience like you're not alone like you're not broken and I I, I don't I, I just found like cyborg's whole thing being super powerful in light of that of, of like the history of you know Snyder's family I guess and like, there's just a lot of really beautiful um, music choices, like how they play, you know, how like Hallelujah is like the main kind of song that goes throughout the movie. And like, I guess that was Zack Snyder's daughter's favorite song. And um, the person who sings it, the lady who sings it in the movie, um, I guess sang, she's the same person who sang Hallelujah at his daughter's funeral. Oh, really? Yeah, and he had her sing it in the movie, too. Oh, so, I am... There's different... There's several different versions of Hallelujah that play. Like, I know the... I think it's a dude that sings it in the trailer, but then in the movie, when it's playing, it's a lady singing it, and she sang at his daughter. Um, so, it's just so much... So much of that really amped up the movie for me, like, where it, it like, hit me pretty deep you know um you know this last year i had a family member that um committed suicide and like a lot of that stuff just i don't know really resonated with me i guess and it was really um i don't know like a word to describe it but like i feel it like i feel as x Snyder in this movie you know even though like at the end of the day like i said i didn't i'm not like in love with this movie but I see so much light from it, and knowing the history of it, it's a powerful movie for me. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know, and, and obviously I didn't get any of that from <laughs> the Whedon cut. And <laughs> like, it wasn't like it was kept out for that reason or whatever. Like, it's just it seems like there was there wasn't really a heart behind the Whedon cut, and there's definitely a heart behind the Snyder cut. Yeah, you know? there was probably money to be made behind the Whedon cut. I don't know. 
you know, and everyone. Yeah. So that's another thing is like a lot of people been going after Joss Whedon about that. I guess because he did some pretty crappy things on set, also. Um, but even then, like, there was kind of I was like, well, you know, it was kind of Warner Brothers that decided to make all the changes. But I kind of came back to the fact that you know, Joss Whedon still said yes to doing this. He still said yes, I will help to take over a movie which is being made by a different creator uh, with a different creative direction. And then once he leaves for very tragic reasons, I will help you to completely overhaul this movie. I want to believe, you know, as a, mm-hmm. as a creative person, I would never do that to someone else uh, given those circumstances to be like, cause he was probably being paid a lot to come on. And I was like, even for the money, I'd be like, no, I'm not going to help you fix, you know, fix a movie in your eyes. Uh, after everything that's happened especially but it's like so so as far as like any defense for Joss Whedon or like oh I was just following orders just doing my job it was like yeah but you still chose to take that job so which which is like what does he even do nowadays is he he's not directing anything the last thing he directed was maybe Age of Ultron I'm not quite sure but really that's what you do now is you go on other projects to help them I guess fix it and I say that as someone who didn't even hate the 2017 version. I actually I went back to my review. It was funny. I said in it, um, I rewatched the movie and I gave it five out of ten. I was like, it's five out of ten. You know, I whatever, uh, two and a half out of five stars. I went back to my review. This was four years ago, and I literally said the same thing. I was like, yeah, it's like a five out of ten. And I was like, that's kind of funny. I I'm glad I'm consistent there. Um, but as far as that, like, yeah, things that weren't in the weeding cut. The cyborg stuff is by far the worst. So, and I'm sure, I don't know if y'all can remember, but the whole thing with Cyborg's mom's not there. The car crash isn't in that movie. The football scene's not in that movie. All the scenes where we go into, like, Cyborg's mind, where it's, like, this open land and all those little animations go on, uh, especially when he's first introduced to his powers. He can control nuclear arsenals. He can uh, control monetary funds and that whole thing all of that is not in the weeding cut none of it the only thing and even um the actor it was either the actor or the director but one of them said probably of everything that was shot for that movie i think it was ray fisher actually said this i think he said there was only like two shots of him from the snyder version that actually made into whedon's cut and that's pretty much true there's a scene of him like through a window there's a scene with him with wonder woman and i think everything else was a reshoot which includes you know like the booyah and um <laughs> everything else was a reshoot done by whedon and god i i really wish you guys would have watched it again because there's some reshoots there's somewhere it was like i get what he was trying to do he was trying to make mm-hmm. an avengers movie like when they're talking about resurrecting superman whedon did a reshoot where him and like Bruce Wayne and Wonder Woman start having an argument about resurrecting Superman. I don't even remember whose like side was on whose exactly because in this movie they're all like, yeah, we should do it. But in that movie they were they they threw in like an Avengers kind of fight into it where they were like having an argument. Um, and all of that, I was like, okay, I get why you added that. You're trying to make it like the Avengers, you know, these little uh, dialogue-heavy fights kind of made the Avengers good. You know, like that scene where they're all fighting, the camera goes upside down with the the, uh, the scepter. Like, that whole scene's really good in the Avengers. But 
He tried to do that in Justice League, and it doesn't work. But there's other reshoots that make no sense. Like, he did a reshoot of the scene right before the final battle where they're talking about their the plan a little bit uh in within the you know and within his like plane or whatever and in the Whedon version he reshot all that and pretty much it's the exact same scene except they added a funny joke about Aquaman having the lasso of truth around him and how he was scared of the battle that was the only thing added but there was almost no reason to do that reshoot and in the Whedon version it's ugly you can tell people were green screened in not all the actors were there it's just why did you even reshoot that <laughs> it yeah. doesn't it doesn't help the story it didn't help to make the short story shorter it's like you could have used the Snyder footage why why did you reshoot this so uh-huh. um there's just it's baffling some of the reshoots are are baffling yeah well i know one part of the like that i didn't like in the just in 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 the wing cut that i'm glad like wasn't in snyder's was uh that whole like i think it's like like the very first scene where like batman is like fighting a parademon and they're like flying around gotham and like I don't, I remember just hating that scene so much in just in, in the Whedon cut, and I'm really thankful that that wasn't a Snyder choice <laughs> that made it into his version. Mm-hmm. I just remember feeling super cheesy and weird, and like not at all like the other movies before it. You know, um, um, I have I have a thing that, about that scene, by the way, though. Um, yeah. So. And I remember this from the review I did too. Um, I actually liked that scene, but I oh, yeah? said I was like, "This makes no sense with the rest of the movie because it seems like it's a different movie." But I almost like it as a separate Batman movie, especially one that's really invoking the Tim Burton style. Um, yeah, so I kind of liked it for that. And then, you know, in this movie, it's not there because that scene was only added to give the Parademons that fear thing where basically they're attracted to fear. So that would give a reason for Batman to like have them follow him or whatever. And all of that's not in this movie because you realize, Oh, that doesn't really need to be in the movie. That was kind of a stupid thing to add. It also was the scene where he found out about the mother boxes. Also, I don't quite understand even in that movie. Why when the aliens blow up, why scene three squares makes, you know, Oh, mother boxes, like why why would that happen that doesn't make any sense but i like that scene just because it kind of invoked a tone from the tim burton movies but it did not fit in the universe and now i realize that was the only scene that was completely 100 percent redone or like new to whedon everything else whedon did for that movie was a reshoot where he had to recreate sets recreate lines recreate scenes and all those are bad like none of them are good and none of them are in this movie, obviously, but, like, all of them were bad, and that was the only one I liked uh, after the fact, and I was like, oh, it's because it was the only scene where he was actually able to pretty much create it. So I was like, yeah. So pretty much, I'm like, I'm interested in seeing that Batman movie, but like you said, it's pretty goofy-ass, and does not fit in this universe. Yeah, yeah. I want to know, this is important, what did you all think of the Icelandic singers? (laughs) Oh yeah, I already forgot about that. Um, I don't know. I kind of thought it was out of place. Like there was no point. 
weird. <laughs> it was long, for sure. Yeah, like awkwardly long. It was like a whole ass song, like a, like a, like several verses and choruses, and like I don't know. It was it was a neat idea, but way too long, and like. If I was Bruce Wayne, I'd be like, "What the, what the hell? Like, maybe I don't want this guy." <laughs> if was there a reason for cult following? Um, I read online that I think the language they're in is they're kind of speaking towards Aquaman, like he's a god, like they see him as a god, and I think they're kind of sad he's leaving again. So I think it's kind of a farewell tune to him. That's why she like grabs his shirt and she's like, she's trying to take in some of that god scent. I think they just miss him. <laughs> see that's one of those moments where it's like see you, you probably could have cut stuff like that out and brought it to like a two and a half hour runtime but you know it, it's it's a director being given everything he wants and let's just see him go wild um one of the things that bothered me about the joss whedon cut and this bothers me about a lot of movies is that when there are items to be found or characters that are to be met we start to rush things as more introduced in the case of justice league. They really rushed the mother boxes um, in the original cut, the Whedon cut where like the first one was like, yeah, a lot of Amazonians are fighting against him. And then the other two, he's like, yeah, I got him. And it was like, okay, that was kind of easy. This movie, the one with the Atlanteans is still pretty easy to get, but now I realize why. Because they actually add that stuff about the current king, how he sucks, and we find out about that in Aquaman 2018. Um, but also, they actually mention that, oh, he had the guards leave because they had to go do some other duty, and they're like, oh, he's such an idiot. So that's why nobody's guarding the cube at that, to- at that point. And I was like, "Ah, oh, so that's why that one was in that was so easy to get. That makes more sense now." Yeah, yeah. There's a lot more dialogue with it, especially that that part with um, uh, Green Goblin. I don't know. I'm forgetting his name. <laughs> Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. Like that added a lot more to it, and like seeing Aquaman's motivation because in the Whedon cut, there's like no motivation. It felt like like he just was like, "No, I'm not gonna help with him. I'll help." You know, <laughs> right? For a box that he didn't even really care about in the first place, either. You know? Yeah. Well, so this is how they do it in the Whedon cut. The Whedon cut had it where that guy that he goes and saves from that boat. So in this one, they kind of just do that as like a single thing that he does. Uh, they don't really have it. It doesn't really add much to the story. But in the Whedon cut, he goes and saves that guy and he's actually got some like green gooey stuff on him. And he realizes it's from a parademon. So that's all they did. They added that. And then that gave him reason pretty much to join the justice league because the parademons were attacking the fishermen. He was like, Oh, this really is a threat. So like, then he goes and joins and that was it. That's how they edited that scene into it. And just added some green CG goo to Jason Momoa's hands. And then boom, you have a motivation. I like, uh, I guess I was towards the end of the movie a little bit, but did you guys like when Flash went back in time? That was the coolest part of the whole movie. Yeah. That was the part where I was like, because um, most of the movie I was like, I understand the cuts that they made with the other version. I don't understand the reshoots. I think they could have just kept this movie because pretty much a lot of it's here, except for some changed up um, 
some some weird edits that shouldn't have happened, but I see why they had to cut a lot of it out to for the runtime, and they shouldn't have redone all the computer graphics. However, when we get to that final scene, I was like, okay, this is how I know Warner Brothers are insane, because for some reason they decided not to keep that in the movie. Do you know all of that is not in the original cut? Like, uh-huh. the original cut just has them go and save the Russian family. That's it. Uh-huh. And... Which felt stupid in that movie. Uh-huh. What Did was he kind of go back in time twice? Like, he, like when they were dropping the cube? Yes. In the, okay. Yeah, he did do that. He did do it twice. Um, and that part of it kind of made, like, uh, that he kind of mentioned beforehand. He was like, if I go this fast, sometimes I screw with time. So that's kind of why that happened, because... Um, but also I, I was thinking maybe it was happening because he had to time it perfectly. So he actually had the reverse time a little bit so he could actually hit it properly, uh, before it hit the goo and, you know, not after, uh, which also that part, that little bit was also taken out of the weed and cut. They just had him where he touched it perfectly at the right time. And this one, they actually had him reverse time to touch it. And which is like, that's another thing where I guess since they cut out the whole thing about time travel, you know, they, why even have that in the movie, but they already kind of show that he can do time travel in the last movie because they had the flash and Batman V Superman. So it's like the audience should already know the flash can do this. Um, we haven't seen him in the present time do it yet, but we technically have seen him go back in time already. So this shouldn't be confusing. Even if you cut out the final act, which but I, like I said, I do not get why Warner Brothers would cut that out of the original cut because that was the coolest part of the entire movie. And I was like, this is what – that was the part where I was like, this is probably my favorite Zack Snyder movie because this whole scene is so awesome. Like this is – I never thought I'd like something from the DC movies more than the Marvel movies yet. I was like, this scene I think does. This is one of the best superhero scenes ever. Yeah. Yeah, I like the whole – back in time stuff. Like I said, Flash in this one is a lot better than the first one. Like, I I know there's, like, this weird little um, plot point in the in the Whedon cut where they're in the that sewer fighting, you know, and they got the Nightcrawler and, and that and all. Um, and uh, I remember from the Whedon cut, like, like, the Flash is, like, he's, like, scared to fight. And there's, like, a pump-up scene from... Wonder Woman, I think. Am I right? Is that that's in the Whedon cut? I think it was from Batman, and Batman's like explaining to him about like being a hero, and then he's like, "All right, let's go do this." And then there's like a stupid moment where like he almost falls down the like tunnel or whatever, and Batman saves him, and he's like hanging from like because the grappling hook grabs him by the foot, and he's like hanging there, and he's like, "Thank you." And then there's that other scene where, like, he lands on top of Wonder Woman to save her. And then there's, like, that awkward moment where he's like, oh, I was on top of you. And I was like, haha, because that was so funny in Age of Ultron. Yeah. So let's do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Which apparently for that reshoot, reportedly, like, Gal Gadot, like, there was a stunt double who did that scene because Gal Gadot refused because she was like, this is stupid. I'm not doing that. Um, yeah. So all that's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I just remember that whole plot point of like him being scared to jump in and join the fight was lame in mm-hmm. the Whedon. I was really glad they took all that out, and he was actually like kicked ass. 
you know, he was like running up and down the stairs telling them to move fast. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, I was shocked that so much of his humor was still there just because this felt a little different from what Snyder usually did. And I assumed all of that was added by Whedon, but it was kind of cool to know that. Oh, I like that. Cause it, I actually liked that in the Whedon cut. And, um, it was nice to know that, Oh, that actually was Zack Snyder who did all that. So I'm glad he kind of did a different character this time. Yeah. I think the timing of the jokes in the Whedon cut, like the timing of Flash's jokes were bad. Like they just seemed like poorly timed, I guess. Like and and they just didn't land as funny. They seemed too much like Shazam, you know. Which is Shazam. It's good because those jokes belong in that movie, and and that Whedon cut didn't really feel. But in the Snyder cut, his jokes feel timed a lot better, and they so they land better. They feel a little bit more organic and smooth, you know. Like even even like uh, you know Bruce Wayne finds you know. The Flash's like little hideout, like that with the music and stuff seems like it. It just uh, was a little bit more smooth than the Whedon cut. Right. Well, because another thing was like just the fact that they added so many little moments that were reshot. Like, there's a scene where he meets Bruce Wayne for the first time, and they actually did some reshoots for that. They kept most of that. But there's actually like an added line where Flash goes on longer about this joke involving brunch. And he's like, what is brunch? Like, is it breakfast? Is it lunch? And it's like, and it was like, I don't hate little asides like that. Like, I love the Marvel movies. So obviously I'm big into those, like, let's go on a little joke tangent right now. But like, it's not funny. Like, you actually have to write them, man. You have to actually make it funny. Um, yeah, you should watch Red Letter Media. They went through like they like wrote down all the jokes from the Joss Whedon version because they were like talking about how all these jokes cost a hundred million dollars. <laughs> they were like the brunch scene, hundred million dollars for these jokes, <laughs> and it's like my god. Yeah, yeah, they're bad jokes. Yeah, I gotta say, like the one com- big complaint I have about the Snyder Cut is that no Jai Courtney as Captain Boomerang. I think they could have fit him into the epilogue for sure. It's really too bad. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. So let's uh, let's get back into this. I- I'm gonna look at my notes because I'm gonna see if I wrote down anything kind of interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Which I kind of said this before the podcast, but I actually uh, so I rewatched it today because there was a black and white version that came out justice is gray version which it's weird because they already they said you know warner brothers is like you know there's no that cut Zack snyder's cut is not gonna be released and they released it and then the next thing they said literally the weekend after it came out they just said this monday they said but we're not bringing back the snyder verse it's over and i'm like why would you say that after this is like the first big trending movie in over a year and now you're going to say that, like, oh, but we're not bringing this back. I'm like, really? And now it's Thursday, and only a week after the movie, now they have another version of the movie. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it really seems like you guys want to forget this. There doesn't seem to be any commotion at all within Warner Brothers. Like, what do, what do we do? Um, so there's a new version of the movie out there. Um, there's no reason to watch the black and white version, I think. I, I, I find most black and white versions kind of pointless. Um but I watched it just because I wanted to take some notes on the movie. Um, so, like, one of the things... 
that fight scene. So the scene where we first are introduced to the mother boxes, that's another scene that we kind of saw in the Justice League version, uh, the Whedon cut. But a lot of it got cut down, and it always felt like in that movie like it was a cool flashback scene, but it wasn't really meant to be more than that. And then they cut to, you know, Gal Gadot and Ben Affleck talking on the lakeside. And that's really it. And they explain the mother boxes quick. And in this movie, there's actually like a full on battle. Like we see everything and we see them destroy dark side, which he wasn't even in the original movie. He was uh, replaced by Steppenwolf for that scene. So I thought that moment was really awesome. Um, just from the sheer size and, number of characters and I mean we see one of the Green Lanterns and the ring get taken off and fly away like I I, I thought all that stuff was real cool yeah I like that a lot too it seemed a little bit because I, I don't know if they showed it in the Whedon cut either but like they showed the like Hades and Zeus were there mm-hmm. you know it, it seemed like a really good mix of all the mythologies you know it would have been cooler if we saw more than one Green Lantern, like you saw, like, ten or something. Right. I understand why they did. Um, well, I think the I think Green Lantern lore, not to get too into it, I think there's, like, a, a Green Lantern is assigned to, like, one solar system or, like, one group of planets, so that just might have been the one assigned to that yeah. quadrant, our quadrant of space, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. So, and all that kind of was in the original cut. We even see the Green Lantern, but they mostly cut away from it, like I said, to see, you know, the reshoot of Gal Gadot with Ben Affleck and to show all the cubes, how they were hired, uh, I mean, how they were hidden away, including the men who just buried theirs, which I was like, ah, oh, very smart men. <laughs> Yeah, not even, like, a foot. Because <laughs> you got, like, yeah. these other ones where it's, like, you got this giant-ass, like, pyramid that they're hiding at the Amazonian one, and, like, they got, like, people protecting it all the time. Same with the ones in Atlantis. And then the men are like, dig a hole. <laughs> Bury it. <laughs> yeah, Chloe and I were laughing about that. <laughs> I like the idea of them at least trying to hide it so it's not as obvious where it is. But the way that they buried it was, yeah, stupid. Because, like, the way that frost works, like, that will definitely... Like, I, f- I figure this is how the conversation went. They were like, all right, dig about, like, five feet deep. And then they dug it. And then they're like, uh, but, sir, like, the cube itself is, like, two feet tall. So, technically, we're only going, like, three feet deep. And they're like, well, we put it in the... We already put it in the hole. We're not taking it out. Just cover it up. (laughs) And then there's like a little mound and they're like, well, wait, should we be covering that up a little more? It's like, I just put a rock on it. I don't know. We don't have to worry about anybody finding it. I mean, it's like in the middle of a road. Like how often do people go digging out in the middle of the forest? Huh? Think about it. And it's like, all right, let's just, cause I like that somehow they had to bring Nazis into this movie. Like, (laughs) <laughs> always, it always goes back to Nazis. Um, uh, going back to that one, that that big fight scene, the flashback one. Um, was it Hades or was it Ares? And if it was Ares, was it what's his face from Wonder Woman? I was thought it was at first, and then they said it in the movie that 
They said um, they talked about how it was um, brothers fighting side by side, Zeus and Hades. Okay. And because Ares, I think, is Zeus's son. I don't think he's a brother, right? Yeah, no, he's not a brother. He's a he's a son. Because Poseidon, Zeus, and Hades are brothers, and then the sisters are the three sisters. So, because that's what I thought first. I thought, oh, that's that it would be the same. Guy. It, it looked, I thought it looked like it. Wasn't like he had his big nose. I don't know. Huh? You're probably right. Like it, it looked like a similar face, so that's why I was wondering. It was just, it was when because Wonder Woman it was Wonder Woman's scene when she grabbed the arrow and was in that temple that she started seeing the flashbacks of of yeah. Dark Side coming, and so it was her narrating when she said, I think she said like. Either my father and his brother, or she said brothers fighting side by side, and then no one was Zeus. So that's yeah. that's the only reason why I think it. But okay. I, yeah, I just thought it looked like him, so I was like, oh, maybe that's that must be. But you're probably right. I, I wasn't really paying attention. I could look at the cast list and see if he was playing Ares, but yeah, I, I don't, he didn't have that dumbass mustache he had from Wonder Woman, so I didn't. <laughs> um. But uh, I liked how it showed how they like encased the cubes, like they showed how each like culture, like encased the cubes with their own version of like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like how each cube had like a layer, a protective yeah, something over it, and it kind of represents <laughs> their culture and yeah, gave every like thing gave every cube a more distinct look, which in the original cut I don't think they went into at all. Like I don't think they cared, and yeah. this one they actually kind of was like, oh no, there's kind of a reason, an unspoken reason why there's a style to each of these, and I was like, oh, that's kind of yeah. I didn't, I don't know if I ever really put together that there was a cube within it because I thought it was just was the cube, um, but it's because the original cut didn't really go into that, and the original cut also doesn't have like the. Uh, Cyborg's father messing with it and taking it out, so we don't see a lot of that in the original cut. We just see them, and then we see them get put together, and it's like, oh, right, and, you know, it's... Not, even little things like that, we don't really get much of in the theatrical version. What did you guys think about, like, how the movie opened, like, with, you know... Like, like one thing I do like about Zack Snyder's movies, like, these three is, like, how Batman vs. Superman opens at the end of Man of Steel, like, with the destruction of Metropolis, you know? And then this opens with, like, the slow-motion death of Superman, like, and, you know, his, like, death is, like, ringing out across, and it, like, wakes up the boxes. Right. You guys opening? Yes. I liked it for the same reason, because it it's like a bookend, and we move on to the next chapter, but there's like a real quick prologue to what happened before, but not mm-hmm. what I like about it, too, is that it's not necessarily what we saw in the last movie. It's not just recapping events. It's actually giving us an extra detail we didn't know, like they did with Batman v Superman. Like, last one, it's like, hey... Bruce Wayne was there too, and that's why he hates Superman. I'm like, that was such a good opening. For all that flack that movie gets, I'm like, that is a brilliant opening to that movie. Um, And same with this. I was like, I thought it was a brilliant way to open it because it actually explains why they're going after the mother boxes, why they awoke, and why, when it was awoken before, why no one went after it before. And they actually even bring it up later. They're like, 
oh, you know, it was awoken before. He's like, yeah, but that was when Superman was around. It was almost like it. the boxes were scared of Superman. And when mm-hmm. he's not here, suddenly they're all calling out to these gods, uh, Steppenwolf and such, which all of that is not in the original cut. So in the original, you're just like, you see a parademon and Batman's like, oh, they smell fear. And there's like, but there's like no reason for the parademons to be there other than, well, if you saw the last movie, you know, they were building up this nightmare sequence. So this is them. And I was like, all right, but why are they here? Like, there's no build up to why they're there or what, why they're doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Is there a, um, I guess like a scene, it, I mean, you, you, you watched the center cut twice, Justin, um, there's a part where Steppenwolf is like FaceTiming with the hooded guy, mm-hmm. like in, uh, in that like monolith looking thing. Um, he, when he's talking with that guy, is, does he say like, oh, I found three mother boxes here. Like, I feel like he's, he's telling the guy like, Hey, guess what I found? Like mother boxes here on earth. Like, did he not know they were there before? Or am I wrong? Did I make that up in my head? I feel like he says that to the guy where he's like, you won't believe it. There's mother boxes here. I'll, I'll say this. I During those parts, I do kind of fall asleep because I don't like the parts where he's just talking with Darkseid. It kind of just seems to go on and on. But yeah. um, they knew that the mother boxes were there because Darkseid obviously knows that they're there. Um, yeah. And that's how they were kind of called there. The thing that he realizes, though, is that the anti-life equation is there which dark side i don't think knew about i don't think he knew about that and that's why after he mentions that he's like hey i found anti-life on this planet it's literally written into the planet that's when dark side shows up and finally talks to him again because he's like you found anti-life and that's all he kind of cares about because beyond that like this is just another day for steppenwolf you know another planet got to take care of it for dark side as far as the mother boxes yeah. go, I think they were pretty, like, I don't know, not insignificant, but Darkseid, I don't think, cared for them as much, because he was, I think, they don't really say this, but I think there's, like, kind of, like, an embarrassment from Darkseid that he was never able to get Earth, and uh, I don't know if there's more mother boxes elsewhere. I kind of wonder about that, just because... I was wondering if that was like a thing that he brought to every planet, but I don't know if they go into that too much. It doesn't really seem like it, or at least it didn't make me wake up and realize like there were things the second time around that I paid attention to way more. And I was like, Oh, this and that, but that's still that whole part. I still don't quite know. I think they all, they came because the mother boxes were awoken and they knew they could use them to destroy the planet. Okay. Cause I I think cause in the, in the like, the flashback scene of Darkseid coming for the first time, he brought the mother boxes with him and the three joined and made like the unity, which is like that design of all three, you know, it's all like a geometric looking thing. Um, But then when he got defeated, like he wasn't able to take them back with him when he retreated. And so they got left there. And so like, that makes sense that there's just the three because like he would just bring them to every they said that he conquered all these other planets before earth and so he's probably just taking those three with him to each planet or whatever you know and then yeah he could never find them again after that yeah i don't know i just remembered that 
Like it, it seemed like Steppenwolf like was there, and then like was like, oh, mother boxes, and then FaceTimed home. <laughs> Guess what, guys? Found the mother boxes. Like then I was like, well, then why was he there in the first place? But. Yeah, well, because yeah. he's able to find the first one, and then that's how he's able to interact. Yeah. So I think they already kind of knew that they, like, found one. I think that was more the surprising thing, was that he was able to find them. Um, but it's because they're calling out to him, and it's because Superman's dead. And they do specifically bring that, that up, so... I did notice there was, like, an awkward time gap between, like, where they lost the last mother box... Steppenwolf shows up and he grabs the, the the third mother box and then warps back to, to like Russia or wherever. And then um there's like a long scene of them like gearing up ready to go there and fight him. And then right when they finally leave to go there, it shows him just then showing up at the <laughs> reactor site. <laughs> like, yeah. There've been so many hours <laughs> in between like where he could have just like you know, Done shoved in the box and then, like, did what he was gonna do, and, like, there's, just, like, a time gap that didn't make any sense, but... Right. Well, because I was thinking in my head, oh, maybe, like, um, Cyborg's dad, when he sacrificed himself, because he put, like, a tracker on it, which even that, mm-hmm. that whole thing still doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, but why does he have to be in there? But, mm-hmm. I mean, whatever. I mean, why couldn't they... Like... What was that? Kevin, the Sigma steal with Kevin Costner in the tornado. Right, it's just one of those movie things where it's like I'm not I'm not gonna deal with it too much. Uh, whatever, he had to sacrifice himself. I'm sure they can explain it if they wanted it to. Um, but I was wondering, like, if there was another thing that he put on the box, like maybe that he wasn't able to use it properly right away, or there was like some kind of like firewall on it. I don't know. But mm-hmm. they never really bring that up. And like you said, it is just kind of like this massive gap. And then in this movie, it feels even longer because it's a longer <laughs> movie. At least in yeah. the other cut, it's like a couple minutes. Like, it's not too long before they're over there again. So it kind of, it's almost like they're racing him there, even though he could teleport. So it doesn't really make any sense. But yeah. <laughs> uh, so one thing I, I really liked, the my favorite scene in the original or the theatrical version of the movie, Whedon's cut, was the scene where Superman came back and then he was like evil Superman for a couple minutes. I really like that scene a lot. I like watching superheroes fight each other and I like that it was done at that monument. Um, I just like how everything was shot and even like all the editing there in the original or the Whedon cut anyway. And... I was kind of, that was one of those things where I was like, I feel like that's not going to be in the new version or it's going to be different and I hope I still like it. But that was like the one thing I really liked from that cut. And luckily, not only is it here, but almost it's like the only scene that's almost edited exactly the same way. There's a couple scenes that are a little longer. They add a little more like violence to the whole thing. But and they also get rid of that stupid moment where he grabs like batman's masks and like throws them in the air and he's like do you bleed and batman's like oh we need you like i like in this movie that batman doesn't say anything and he's almost like ready to die because he's like i did you wrong and this is what i have to pay for it and if you don't return to your normal self in that time at least i 
still believe I did the right thing, and I hope you can forgive me. Like, I like that he's just standing there silent, and I like that all the stronger heroes actually try to stop Superman from getting Batman. Like, I that whole part was even done better in this movie. I like that Lois uh-huh. Lane's not just, uh, oh, we have we have backup. That was the original movie. It was like Lois Lane was the backup that they had come in. In this movie, it's like um, she shows up because she's already there because she visits daily. And this is like, oh, this will be my last time. Oh, my God, you're alive. And, you know, they're blatantly saying the name Clark in front of all those cops. So, you know. <laughs> hey, a Bruce. Hey, a Clark. And the cops are like, wait a minute. I know a Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't that Clark Kent guy just die not too long ago? <laughs> yeah. That's the first thing I thought about at the end of this movie. It was like, wait a minute, is Clark Kent also just back now? Like, is he going to go back to the Daily Planet? And they're going to be like, huh, so you're not missing anymore. And he's like, yep, I'm back. And they're like, they like look outside yep. and they're like, like, like Clark leaves. And then suddenly a few minutes later, there's Superman flying around. And they're like, huh, <laughs> I'm wondering. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because they show at the end of the movie, he like finally like rips open his suit and you can see the S. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, working is he working there again or is he going in for an interview somewhere new like he's also, going to is, work is he gonna go fight because he just looks in the air and that's really it and i'm like is there something going on like yeah like we don't What's know up? yeah <laughs> um overall like i i i didn't really fully dig the superman resurrection scene like I liked them like doing it, like like with the mother box and the gen- like the the Genesis chamber or whatever. But then where he fights the rest of the the league seemed kind of cheesy and I don't like not super well done. Like even even in the Slender Cut, like I I wasn't a huge fan of it. Um, like it seemed like they did a little bit of editing, like touch ups with it, but it didn't seem. I don't know. I just like I like the idea of it, but for some reason it didn't land for me. I wasn't big on it, but I understand the need for it in the movie, you know. By that point I was kind of over slow motion. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> the motion scene. And yeah, that whole scene is pretty much slow motion once Flash comes in. Uh-huh. That is that was like so when I saw that in theaters, um that whole movie i was like okay this is stupid like popcorn entertainment whatever i'm having fun but it's dumb um that scene though where they're fighting him i love that little moment though where flash is like super fast and he's gonna like come around him probably get him from behind and then his eye just turns at him that part in when i saw it in theaters i was like oh shit like that was like a no shit kind of moment i was like oh this is awesome like that was the like i said i really liked that whole scene and I was glad it was still here, and I don't know. I think that part's really awesome. Like, I just I don't know. I know it's cheesy, but I'm like here for it. Like, whatever. It's I'm 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 all for the cheese in that moment, and I dug it. And you Uh know, like Flash accidentally runs into Aquaman. I thought that was hilarious because it's like I like that he's got this great power, and he still doesn't a hundred percent know how to control it. Because like, how do you how do you control something like that? I don't know. Yeah. I did like when Superman finally showed up, though, in Russia or whatever to fight Steppenwolf and, like, 
like for the first time in the movies we see him use like his like weird like cold breath mm-hmm. cuz like we didn't really see that in Man of Steel or the other one um I thought that was kind of neat and I I I liked all his fight scenes in the at the end you know at the climax of it I thought it was well done right yeah that was like in my original review and that still carries over to this one I said I, I what I like about this even more than the Avengers like the first one anyway was that everybody's superpower becomes kind of like useful at some point and everyone has a real good point to be in there and um, this one it does not even better because with that finale they actually add a real good reason for both Cyborg and the Flash to be there and have their part in it too um, I love yeah the part where Superman shows up I like the black suit I think it looks real good on screen and I, I, I kind of don't understand, like, I get there's a reason in the comic books for it, but I don't think it technically makes any sense when he's like, I'm a good guy, but I'm going to wear the black suit, and I'm going to be like, kind of, like, because he still has it, even at the end of the movie. Do you want to know the comic book reason? It's because he's got to regenerate himself, right? Because mm-hmm, he's powered by the sun. Yeah, because that's like, he goes up, <laughs> he like goes up in the air and does his like, typical Jesus pose and he's charging, right? He's charging. Yeah, because Krypton had a red sun and since we have a yellow sun that somehow makes him superhuman in our solar system. Superman wear that during the day when he wasn't Superman? Did he wear the black suit so he could recharge properly? The day that he wasn't Superman. I mean, like, under his, anytime he wasn't Superman, under his, like, Clark Kent clothing, did he wear the black suit to recharge on his off days? I don't know, I don't know but at that point, he had a mullet. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I liked Superman in the Joss Whedon version, but I was like, they're they're clearly trying to make the classic Christopher Reeve Superman, and there's not really a point. Like, because I was always thinking, is there really a way to just do Superman nowadays? And even what they did with Man of Steel, I didn't dig it too much. And I, even Batman v Superman, I'm like, I just, I don't know if they can do this character. He just seems a little like he's just meant to be from a different time. And I don't know if he works nowadays or if they're even giving him enough complexity. This movie, because they're always trying to at least give this idea that he's like the symbol of hope and that's really what they've been pushing through all these movies and in this movie was like the first one where I was like I actually finally see it like I actually am getting emotional watching him now and I know this is like the least amount of footage that he has in all the movies but like the scenes where he's like actually fighting and that scene where he just shows up and he stops that blade with his shoulder and yeah like you said he just freezes it and destroys it and beats the hell out of him. That was the moment, though, where I was like, I love Superman now. And I like everyone's reaction to him. Like, even Wonder Woman's just kind of smiling at his back while she's still kicking ass. Like, it's just... I finally... And I also really like that the original score that Hans Zimmer did for Man of Steel um, kind of always had, like, a gloominess to it. Mm-hmm. And in this one, they somehow took that score when he first shows up, and they actually, like, made, like, a heroic version of the Man of Steel theme. And I was like, I, that, like, these com- this composer, it's uh, Junkie XL, I was like, he's a genius. He somehow found a way to make that theme heroic, and it's so badass. And it makes me so happy that they brought all those themes back 
I I honestly, out of every soundtrack I listen to regularly, the Man of Steel soundtrack is one of my all-time favorite scores for a movie. And I think that the Man of Steel, like the main Man of Steel theme in it is like one of the most incredible heroic themes <laughs> I've heard for modern superhero movies. And every once in a while, like, I don't remember it showing up in Batman vs. Superman very much, but in this one, whenever, like, uh, you know, when, when, like, you know, they're talking about, like, oh, like, the, it turns a smoke back into a house, you know, and Ezra Miller's like, I'm not going to say it. I know we're all thinking about it, but I'm not going to say it, you know. And you can hear that theme kind of, like, building really quietly, you know. Like, that kind of, those parts I get goosebumps from just because I dig that that you know Hans Zimmer theme so much um it was cool that it was like there was music from both artists in it like I mean mainly from the Hans Zimmer written stuff but I like Junkie XL like in Mad Max and Deadpool and stuff but um I still like that that Man of Steel score is incredible Mm -hmm. I, I love that's one of my if not my favorite, like, Hans Zimmer score, maybe it's Man of Steel. Yeah. No, I like it. I like that music, and I love how they brought it back here. I was going to say that specific scene that you're talking about, um, that actually was, like, a moment I really liked, too, because I was like, that was probably the loudest that theme's ever been, and it was, like, really took over the scene. And uh, I was like, man, that's, like, it's moments like that that you can compare to the 2017 version and just show, like, this one is so much more epic and way more like moving and so i and that actually after seeing the movie that night i actually had to go dig through the score because i was trying to find that piece of music it's kind of hard sometimes um to dig through all the music because um they don't necessarily have all the tracks in order or it's not really named after something uh specifically for the scene so it's kind of hard to find but i actually did find it and i was like that's the moment i was looking for and um there are still some moments I'm still trying to find within the score. I know it was uploaded as one giant track on YouTube, and I think it was like seven hours long. So there's like a lot of music for this movie. Um, there was like a lot of extra stuff written. Um, so it was... Uh, I loved the score to it. And I mean, I liked Man of Steel, and I liked uh, some parts of Batman v Superman, especially the little Bruce Wayne music that was used for when his parents died and later came mm-hmm. during the Martha scene. The Lex Luthor music in Batman Superman is I like it. It's yeah. very like it's very Dead Man's Chest, um World's End, like Pirates of the Caribbean, you know? Where it's like this like alternating low, low um piano keys, like this like I liked that whole Lex Luthor stuff and I don't know if I think some of it made it into um, into Justice League when they showed like that Lex Luthor broke out. I think there was that that came back in it. Mm-hmm. Definitely was. Um, yeah, I also like, uh, I mean, of that music, I don't think any of that is in this movie, but like the little... It's like a single violin that's playing. It plays at the end of Batman v Superman when he's thrown in jail. And he's like, he's coming. He's like, the bell's already been rung. And he's like, ding, ding, ding. And there's that little one single violin going. And I was like, oh, this is so creepy. Like, 
God, there are some really good moments in Batman v Superman for being like a movie. I, I mean, I actually like it way more than I remembered in 2016, but there's a lot mm-hmm. of really good moments where I'm like, you guys got to stop talking about the Martha scene, which also I'll, I'll defend. Like, I actually think that scene makes sense, but mm-hmm. like that painting being shown and it's actually flipped over now. And it's like, Oh God, it is. There is actually a lot of good moments in that. Um, I just, I think there is a lot more in justice league that I, uh, dig even more. And there's like individual scenes. And that's why I was like, even if you edited this down, I think this could have been one of the best superhero movies ever. Honestly, if they would have edited it down a little bit, uh, to like a two and a half hour runtime. I think there's a way to do it. And I think they just need an editor who can really keep it, keep the bones of what's going on, not fill it with exposition and, uh, still keep all the really good action sequences, which, you know, you compare that final action sequence to the Joss Whedon cut. And it's just majorly different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good. I like it overall. You know, like I, the movie, it, you know, freaking four hours. Like I was ready for it to be done by the time it finally ended. Even after that dope, like, um, apocalyptic scene. Um, but like I said, I think even after praising <laughs> Justice League for like this whole episode, I still like it's the least favorite of mine of the three Snyder DC movies, you know? Um, I still, I, I don't know if I like Man of Steel or Batman vs Superman more. I like them both just so much. Um, and Justice League is a good movie, but it's, I feel like, um, I don't know. Maybe I, I think I would like them a lot more if we saw those other Justice League movies that would come after it. Mm-hmm. I'd be all on board for them, but I'm not going to join the toxic fan base to <laughs> restore tweet. the Snyder verse. Yeah. Like I'm in if they do, but I'm not going to. I won't cry if they don't either. You know, I feel sad. If, I feel satisfied. Like justice has been done <laughs> for Justice League. They completed the trilogy. Like the trilogy should have been completed correctly. Yeah. And I feel yeah. Like even at, like I became a fan of the series like through this movie, through some like rewatch of Batman v Superman. Like I I could say like I'm. I wasn't. I'm not the biggest fan of Zack Snyder in general, but. Uh, mm-hmm. I did always like the style and now I'm like, okay, I think I'm a fan of the dude, especially just seeing interviews with him. I'm like, he just seems like the greatest guy. Like there's some people mm-hmm. like you just never see, you just see their movies. You don't see much about them. Um, but him, I actually started watching interviews and such. And I was like, this guy just, he's just trying to have a good time. And everyone seems to love him. Like every actor that works with him just seems to love the dude. So I was like, he must be just great to work with. Yeah. He was in, I saw a little, little screen grab where he was in the scene when, like, uh, Amy Adams was walking out of the coffee shop. Yeah, he was in the coffee house, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think I'd give this movie just, like, a three and a half stars. Like, I'd give it, like, a spiritual four or a four and a half, but at the end of the day, like, story and the stuff I still am not a fan of, like three and a half stars, feels safe. Yeah, that's I I gave it three and a half, but like I said, I do believe 
there is potentially four and a half, maybe even a five star movie in there. Like for being a completely beautiful comic book movie that just is full of so many different things. And like I said, I, I think this is Zack Snyder's best movie and it's really, man, I just don't get why when it came out theatrically, why they just didn't take his material and just run with it. Cause they could have edited this down to two and a half hours. They did not need to reshoot and add things about brunch or, you know, getting on top of Wonder Woman. Like, they didn't need to do any of that. You could have just... Hell, there was even, like, a joke in this movie with the hot dog bit. They kind of were making Flash creepy for a second, and then they were like, nope, he's actually grabbing a hot dog. And I'm like, wow, there is humor. Uh (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I'd probably give it like two and a half, maybe three. Um, there, there was a lot that I liked, but there's still a lot that I, I really don't like. Um, a lot still falls flat. So, I gave it a solid two stars. <laughs> there was not a lot that I liked in it. I don't know. I just, I don't think I'm a huge fan of the DC universe. I've never really, never really liked it that much. Like Aquaman was okay. I haven't really seen many other DC movies just because they don't interest me. Wonder Woman, the first one was okay. The second one sucked. Uh Oh yeah. 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 Wonder Woman was good. I still support that movie. They've definitely been hit and miss. I mean, and I don't know. Like, so is everyone up to, for seeing more Zack Snyder films now that, cause you know, they're sort of moving away from it. They're making a Batman that's entirely different from what Ben Affleck planned. And, um, but it's weird because as much as they're like, oh, we're moving on from that, they don't seem to be fully moving on because already Ben, ben Affleck's coming back as Batman in the Flash movie. And Ezra Miller is still the Flash. Uh, there's still going to be Wonder Woman movies. There's still going to be Aquaman movies. And I'm like, so all you're really missing is Henry Cavill and Batman, which technically Ben Affleck's already coming back. So technically what you're telling me here is... Like, my big dream is since... Like, DC has already broken the rules where they've had Ezra Miller Flash meet TV Flash. I kind of wonder, like, DC could get away with making a movie where they just bring back all the different characters from all the different universes to fight in one big battle, similar to Endgame, but actually do a real multiverse. Like, they could do it before Marvel. Because, like, apparently Michael Keaton's going to be Batman in the Flash movie. And I'm just like... What if they went wild with this? What if they had everybody come back? Like, what I'm talking, what if they had Christian Bale was- Batman show up? What if they had, um, like, Brandon Routh Superman team up with, like, Henry Cavill Superman? Linda Carter as Wonder Woman. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Dude, like, I'm going wild. Like, George Clooney, bring him back. I mean, just because, you know, like, all these TV shows have been... <laughs> commonly bringing back all these older actors um from other like dc things and bringing them back into new dc things and i'm like you could go really wild and make like a really big ass justice league movie that brings 
all the multiverses. To, I mean, Ryan Reynolds and Green Lantern. Like, you could He's do it. Ledger, Joker. <laughs> you could. Maybe. No. <laughs> um, That's my dream. Because I'm like, DC could maybe get away with it. But I say, why not? Snyder should just keep making his movies and they should make them separate from all the other movies and just let the Robert Pattinson Batman happen, which I I don't know what everyone's thought. Did everyone see that trailer? Huh? The Robert Pattinson Batman movie. Did everyone see that trailer? Uh-uh. Oh, you should. Um, oh, I guess you don't watch trailers, but um, yeah, I'm too, but I'm not gonna. Does anybody think that movie could possibly be bad? No. I mean, from not watching the trailer, no. I think so. <laughs> not really from the tra- be bad? not really from the trailer, but I I actually have a suspicion. I'm like, I wonder if it won't be good. Like, I don't know. I feel weird about it I right now. I think it's going to be good. I mean, everything... I mean, the director is Matt Reeves. He doesn't really miss, so... I guess there's that. I don't think... It, I, I don't know. I, I'm such a big Robert Pattinson fan now. And I've always been a Matt Reeves fan. Like, I don't think that those two together, for the first time, could be bad. Like, I was listening to a podcast about um, Robert Pattinson and how, like, he kind of said, like, this is the first movie that, like, he wanted to be in and, like, wanted to, uh, like, audition for. And, like, I mean, not, like, not first, but, like, first one in a while that's, like, a big blockbuster movie that he, that's not The Lighthouse, that's not, you know, the softy movie, you know, like, Good Time. Like, he was like, I want to be... I'm going to try Batman, you know, and like got it, you know? And so I think because Robert Pattinson's such a weirdly dynamic actor who wants to do Batman and then plus Matt Reeves with it, I think it's going to be really good and something fresh. I feel like it's, it is going to be a fresh Batman as opposed to the 11 versions that we've had, you know? Right. Well, I'm excited so. to see Riddler done again. Um, properly i mean yeah. maybe i mean maybe maybe they'll just because i don't think they've even said i know that Riddler's going to be in it just because they alluded to it enough but i don't think they've confirmed even who the actor playing riddler is going to be who is it uh i don't remember his name wasn't it Paul Dano or something? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that you say that, never mind. They did confirm that he wasn't in the trailer at all. Actually, you know, honestly, and I know you're not gonna watch it, but remind me once it comes out, which I don't think it comes out till 2022. I think it's a while. Um, but once it comes out, rewatch the trailer, the first one that was released, um, because there's like not much information you can get from that trailer, like at all, because Paul Dano is not in the trailer. Um, couple other actors that I know are in the movie what was that he could be there is some people who had stuff on their faces Colin Farrell no no there was a guy with like a mask on with like goggles Mm. it could have been I meant like Colin Farrell's in that movie and it does not look like him at all that was weird (laughs) really good prosthetics yeah. Um, do you guys want to do last movie on Earth? I know we are like two hours into the podcast. I figured we could make this a four-hour podcast. Uh, 
with a 30 minute <laughs> epilogue where we're all post apocalyptic cinema swamp. A slander uh, cut. I, <laughs> I mean, Just... I have work in the morning. No work. Apocalypse. It's up to you guys. No, let's I got it. my movie. I want to do it really quick. Lightning round. Let's let's do it. I want to do it. So this is the game. This is what Hunter usually explains. But this is the game where we guess the movie we last watched, and um, we're gonna we're all gonna guess them. I just did a summed up version of it. We earned points, but we're starting over. <laughs> yeah. Wait, do you, was that you saying you want me to... No, that was me explaining it. Like, I, I just was like, let's do it quick. So I was like, everything's quick. Quick explanation. Yeah. Watch our other 80 episodes. Yeah, you should know what it is. Who wants to go first? Um, you said yours is ready, so do yours. The story of an absurd yet likable family with an unproductive couple at its focal point. The couple has gotten themselves into some trouble while kidnapping a baby. Um, Raising Arizona. Yes. <laughs> um, it's my first time watching it. And it's like one of the only Coen Brothers movies that I hadn't seen. And everyone said it's their best. So I finally watched it. Is it their best? No. It's not. It's very good for like their second movie. But not my favorite. You know. And I've never seen it, but I knew there was a baby that's kidnapped. Um, mm-hmm. hey, by the way, though, have you ever seen the Hudsucker Proxy? Mm-mm. Okay, I just got that movie on Blu-ray. I've never seen it, so. Um, Tell us about it last time. If you want to do like Coen Brothers uh, completion sometime, well, yeah, we should watch that. So. Yeah. Um, I could do mine. So, wow, this is. This is a really long one. I'll just I'll, let's go for it. The more famous John Beck re-edit of the original Japanese film. Eric Carter of the United Nations News reports on the emergence of Godzilla just as a Japanese pharmaceutical company seeks publicity with a monster of their own. New footage with American actors was inserted along with several scenes deleted, altering the narrative structure and comedy to the original to center around the UN news reporters not present in the original. Much of the original soundtrack was also replaced in favor of stock music from the Universal Library. Stock footage from the Mysterians was also inserted into the film. Due to the licensing deal between Toho and Universal, the American edit is the primary and most widely available version of the film. Uh, <laughs> Godzilla? So, the two mightiest monsters of all time in their most colossal conflict... Uh, what was that? The original Godzilla versus King Kong? Okay. American? I mean, it is, but it is titled King Kong versus Godzilla. And yeah, my bad. yeah, and Zach <laughs> technically said the correct title. Yeah. Because for the new one, I keep accidentally calling it King Kong versus Godzilla because I was like, well, it's made in America, so wouldn't they put King Kong in the front? No, it's the inverse. This one was made in Japan, but they put King Kong first. The new one's in America, but they put Godzilla first. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. And also, that movie is getting terrific reviews so far. The new one is so very okay, amped to see it. Um, the original was very goofy, and that's one I borrowed from you and never watched it before I returned it to you. <laughs> well, 
you know, my Criterion set now has the Japanese cut on it. And I actually uh-huh. watched the American version. I kind of regret it because they added a lot of just... I, I've never seen the American version of the original movie. I've only seen the Japanese cut. But the American cut of King Kong, like, made, like, no changes. All they really did was add a news reporter who was white, who's like, what up? This is what's going on. And it's, like, basically explaining scenes we already saw. And I'm like, I like that the 1960s thought the American public was that stupid. And the rest of the movie's pretty much the same. And it's, like, you're watching it, and I'm like... Yeah, they could probably remake this movie better. <laughs> it's um, King Kong looks a little ugly in it. Yeah, well, he's ugly in the original King Kong. I mean, the original at least he like looked like uh like he had a personality in this movie. He just it looks like his mask is gonna fall off all the time, like his little yeah. helmet they put on him. I don't know. It's very dumb movie. <laughs> Um, I'll go next. The King of Far, Far Away has Shrek died. Shrek 2. <laughs> it's yeah. Shrek the Third. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Is that the first time that's happened? Mm-hmm. It's always a Shrek the Third, also. What? I'll find a new one. Hold on. Wait. Wait. <laughs> we watched it together. Oh, that's. But like, oh, so mean... it's the last movie that we watched before Justice League. That's usually how I do it. Like if uh, if we're talking about the last yeah. movie we watched, I'll go to one before that, and I forgot we had watched it together. Mm. Go one so more back. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, does Shrek the Third hold up from its superiority of the you know from what I remember? You know, it's not. As good as one or two, but I, I still like it. Yeah, good. <laughs> I, I know people give it a lot of shit, but I still like it. It's good. It's better than the fourth one. Oh, yeah. Fourth one's garbage. But, yeah. I think it holds. Alright. Shrek, Fiona, and John <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> nice. So it was either for his, was it for your birthday or for Christmas? Uh, probably Christmas. For, yeah, probably Christmas. I got him the Shrekiverse, which is all of the Shrek movies plus short films plus the uh, the play. And mm-hmm. we've just been watching through it. Really? <laughs> I saw the play in uh, Sacramento. <laughs> it was like, so- why? It could have been good, yeah, but it was like mm-hmm. the dumb part is like it's all new music that sucks, yeah. and like they were all such bad singers, it was so awkward and not good. I always remember that in choir, like when our choir teacher was gone, that was our movie, one of the movies that we'd rotate yeah. through. So we watched that like two or three times in choir. Yeah. I've never seen it. <laughs> Worth it. Um, Justin just sent a picture in the chat. <laughs> yeah. Was is that so, did you take that picture? Like, do you have that, or so, did you just find that? Uh, well, what I was gonna mention was so what I remember most from Shrek the Third was how crazy they went in with the product tie-ins. Like Shrek was like on top of the world, and anything that had Shrek. Oh, Shrek two. That one Shrek two. Well, 
All yeah. I remember is that that was a toy at one point where it was like I knew there was already a gross toy from Play-Doh where you could do like a root canal on like a plastic face <laughs> with Play-Doh. And I remember that. And then they made a Shrek version. And I was like, what the actual, like, <laughs> why? <laughs> There's going to be like... And into my mouth. <laughs> there is a future <laughs> world where it's probably the same apocalypse that uh, apparently Ash versus Evil Dead and the Snyderverse is going. But that's that apocalypse. There's going to be a landfill that's just filled with Shrek garbage from the 2000s that everybody bought. Thanks for listening to this episode. Sorry that there were some issues with the recording at the end. We actually got cut off and I was able to save most of the audio. But again, thanks for listening. And what were your thoughts on Zack Snyder's Justice League? Do you think it was better than the 2017 version? Did you actually like some things from the 2017 version? Leave a comment on this episode. Like our pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Cinema Swamp. And remember, always beware of the Cinema Swamp. <laughs>